Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with Tina Spring, and we have a very special guest today, Dr. Lisa Lippman, who is a veterinarian, and she's one of the most followed and socially influential veterinarians in the United States. She's nationally respected by media outlets such as Dr. Oz, Inside Edition, and People Magazine, and she's a go-to source for expertise in pet health and safety. She has um, a podcast of her own called We Don't Deserve Dogs, which you should tune into if you haven't done already, which she shares with her um, partner, comedian Richie Redding, and they interview uh, other people and they talk about dogs. And I mean, what's better than that? Except maybe, well, your family dog and talking about dogs, but uh, it's pretty cool. So Lisa is here today to talk with us about toxins, the common toxins yeah. that you may or may not realize are there. So Lisa, we're so happy you've chosen to join us. Welcome to Your Family Dog. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So fun. Quite the intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Um, I believe... Tina, that you have the first question. I do. And I have one that I get asked about all the time and I don't okay. have a awesome answer for. So people specifically talking to me about diffusing and using um, essential ah. oils and, right. and how dangerous that can be for our pets, whether it's cats, dogs, any of it. Yeah, essential oils is, is a really hot one for sure. So it really depends on the essential oil. And it works a lot like for people, actually, um, where, you know, if they're going to be like a respiratory, a lot of them are like respiratory irritants or ocular irritants. Um, if they don't eat them, they're typically okay. Um, there's a lot of them that we don't want to use. You know, for example, tea tree oil is a really popular one. Um, in, in, uh, in dog, it, sorry, with, it, with people, um, but in dogs, it can really be toxic actually. So, but it usually also requires very large amounts. So, you know, the, the short answer there is it really depends on, um, which essential oil and, uh, as long as they don't ingest it, most of them are fine to have around if they're not in very high concentrations. Uh, so you just really have to do your homework on which one. And if you're not sure, really great resource is either the pet poison help, help, helpline, uh, on the internet or ASPCA toxin poison control. Also really helpful to identify which specific essential oil. Oh, those are both but very good websites and we'll yeah. make sure we have links to those on the website. So if somebody has a question, they can just click right on that. So. Yeah, I hope that helps. It's definitely complicated, like I said, very specific to the oil in general, I would say. Although people talk about it a lot, it's not something we see a ton of. Well, that's good to know. My Thanks question in relationship yeah. to that was a great question, Tina. I hadn't thought about that one. I'm so glad you asked it. Um, my understanding is that actually um, essential oils are really bad for cats, not as much for dogs, but they're much worse for cats. Is that true? Yeah, so there can be, I mean, that, that can be, again, it really depends on the essential oil itself, but okay. cats can have some pretty severe reactions to certain essential oils. Yeah, for sure. And I also understand you should never diffuse around birds because their lungs are very delicate. So birds That's are right. also birds quite sensitive. Have, yes. 
So birds are extremely sensitive, um, not just to essential oils, but even certain types of like cookware, uh, Teflon, especially. So right. you want to make sure you never cook anything um, like in Teflon with birds. Uh, yeah, especially. So birds are a whole different story than just dogs and cats. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and since this is not your family bird, we'll just sort of move along to, to the next question. If you had to name, say, the top three toxins that people are more likely to find in their houses that they didn't realize were toxins for dogs, what would those three be? Yeah, so, I mean, the first one would definitely be xylitol. So mm-hmm. xylitol is spelled X-Y-L-I-T-O-L. Um, is a artificial sweetener that's used to sweeten like anything from uh, anything from toothpaste to baking goods to gum. Trident gum has a lot of it, um, and that can cause a massive hypoglycemia in pets. So basically, uh, what happens is they don't recognize it as fake sugar. And they release a massive amount of insulin and then they get really low blood sugar to the point that they can have seizures, coma, tremors, death. Um, And if they survive that, then within 72 hours, they can go into uh, liver failure. So it's a really, really terrible toxin. Yeah. That you don't want to mess with and it, and it can act very quickly and it can just take a small amount to be toxic. And what's hard too, is that a lot of the amounts that they use of xylitol in a lot of um, products, is proprietary. So they don't even tell you. However, if you have the number to ASPCA poison control, I always uh-huh. recommend having that number. Um, they do have that information. And so you can call and they can help you out the best that they can there. So xylitol okay. is definitely number one. The other thing is they're also making like diet peanut butters now with xylitol, which is crazy because wow. you know, just think that's, that's such a common treat that we give our dogs. But if it has xylitol in it, then it could be really, really dangerous. So um, definitely want to avoid that. I would say, uh, the other toxin that, uh, is probably pretty common in households that a lot of people don't know about, but I think is gaining more awareness every day. And I'll just kind of lump them together are grapes and raisins, actually mm-hmm. anything in that family. So grapes, raisins, grapes, raisins, and currants. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I even, if I said that right, current, current, I don't know, but <laughs> current, thank you. Yeah. So anything in, in the, in the grape family really um, is really toxic. And I lie here. A lot of times people will say to me, Oh, you know, I used to feed my dog grapes growing up and that might be true and their dog may be fine. So we don't know why, but there's something in grapes and raisins that can cause a massive fulminant kidney failure in some dogs, not in other dogs. We don't even really know if it's dose dependent, so it could take just one grape um, and that could spell big trouble. So definitely want to keep those away from pets. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Third one that's most common in the household. I would say um, there's so many. I mean, I'm just thinking of food (laughs) stuff. Macadamia nuts is one that always surprises people. Um, Macadamia nuts can cause a... Uh, like a neurologic type symptom where they'll get wobbly and walk around and things like that. Um, but of course, just household toxins. I mean, rat poison for sure. Rat poisons are right. definitely not something that, that you want to mess with. So I kind of threw in a fourth one there, but not to be foodstuff related. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I was just going to say with the macadamia nuts, um, a friend of mine who's a physician, her little Yorkie got into macadamia nuts and basically was, was paralyzed for three days. 
it, it that's wow. how it affected its neural toxin. Yeah, wow. he, they yeah. were able to yeah. recover wow. it. That's, but, that's interesting. Yeah, it's not one we see commonly, but right. uh, it's definitely, yeah, def- that's scary. Wow. But and then is she okay now? Yeah, she's fine now. Um, but yeah, it was pretty great. touch and go for a while. Um, and on the raisins, I had I did a blog on raisins because I had three dogs at one point, and my husband really likes raisins, and he left a very one of those big, large cylinders of raisins on the oh, counter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. um, the Bernie's Mountain Dog got it, and I knew it was yeah. him oh, because mm-hmm. he he took it into the dining room, which is where he always took his stolen treats. And you know, why not, right? <laughs> And I look at him and he's eating. I don't know how much was in there. I don't know how much he's eaten. The two other dogs are standing there going, I don't know. I ended up taking three dogs to the emergency vet to have their oh, stomachs no. pumped. For you. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then and then my yeah. husband, the very next week, leaves them out again. At oh. which point the other two dogs had not eaten any raisins. So this time I just took the burner. And indeed he'd eaten uh-huh. like, you know, a cup. And they were telling me that that there's a certain that they don't know why some dogs are yeah. sensitive and they aren't. They don't know the, the quantity. What they do know is there is a particular quantity above which it's mass per massive dog that you're yeah. likely to have problems. Yeah. But, of course, that's how much um, the burner ate. So two weeks or right. in a row, we were at, at MedVet. Um, and so I'm like, we are never oh, having no. raisins in our house again, ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. And you know what? You're not the only one. I mean, it happens to even veterinarians. That happened to me. That happened to when I first started dating Richie. He t- he had a bat of uh, yogurt-covered raisins that he had gotten at ah. the airport. He dropped his bag. And, uh, yeah, a couple hours later, we were in the – we were making her vomit. So that, yeah. was, uh, that was that. So you're not the only one. So it definitely <sighs> happens to all of us. And, right. uh it's tough. It's tough to remember, you know, it's not toxic for us. It's tough to remember that it's bad for them. So, right. And they can be so sneaky. So yes, yes, they can. <laughs> and you know, I'm going to open the cupboard now and take the raisins out. Well, I also, the other thing that I found out in this whole process is that even if you use hydrogen peroxide, you cannot get a, a dog to evacuate more than 75% of their stomach contents using hydrogen peroxide. That's right. So right. therefore, then. so you're never going to get all of the stomach contents. That's right. Right. So at that point, when he's eaten, you know, like his body weight and raisins, I still have to take oh him my. whether I've gotten him to throw <laughs> up or not, because there's still a certain amount that's going right. to be in his stomach to have it uh, officially, you know, professionally evacuated. Um, that's right. So at, after that, they'll probably recommend that he stay in the hospital overnight on fluids and have his kidney values checked uh, for mm-hmm. the next. 48 to 72 hours once daily. Yeah. So that is correct. Right. It doesn't it, end there. Mm-hmm. No, it does not end there. And then uh, speaking of kidneys, um, I, I know that livers can regenerate, but kidneys cannot. So once you have start down that road to kidney failure, there's, is there any coming back from that? Yeah, that's a really good question. The liver is it's funny. My veterinary school pathologist used to say, we should tell people, I love you with all of my liver, not my heart, because the liver does <laughs> everything. I mean, it does everything and it has an incredible capacity to regenerate. You can lose about 80% of your liver and, and still be just fine and, and damage is fine. But yes, you're right with kidneys. They do, they can regenerate mildly and I have seen it happen, but it is much, much harder for them to, to do so. And so when you talk about massive overdoses with toxins like that, with Advil, Tylenol, oh, I would say actually those would probably be on my top three of things people have in their house. Advil, Tylenol, Aleve, all those non-steroidal anti-inflammatories can be very toxic, causing kidney and liver damage for pets in the home. 
Um, but but when you talk about toxins like that and included with grapes and uh, grapes and raisins, um, you're looking at dialysis. And dialysis is, you know, uh, once you go into kidney failure to help reverse it and help the kidneys cover, um, you're looking at dialysis for pets, which is usually upwards of a ten thousand dollar per day cost, at least for the wow. first day, around ten thousand dollars. Yeah, at least a minimum. So um, it's it's definitely a tough one. It's not one you want to mess with. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So um, yeah. Th- that, that's, that's a whole chunk of change that most people don't have just lying around waiting to be used for doggy dialysis. Is, uh, right. Which is why I, I can't recommend uh, help, uh, pet insurance enough. Um, right. I fully, fully think pet insurance is a fantastic thing. But even so, even with pet insurance, you have to pay the money up front and then they reimburse you. So Right. So Tina, do you have a, anything of any other toxin that you were curious about other than the essential oils? So I, I do. I will say I recently found um, xylitol on a label for hand sanitizer. Wow. And, and I don't know a mama that doesn't have that in their purse, right? So wow. I, I am telling families like you really need to be and like, will the dog stick their head in your purse? Of course they will. Like there's probably a snack in right. there. So you know, half a peanut right. butter jelly sandwich. So um, the I am telling families you have to really, really be vigilant about the the xylitol. Um, and I actually had a local case here near UGA where a dog had been given grapes through its whole life that just one day grapes killed it. So wow, right. I, wow. I am hearing that it can actually be even variable for the individual, which is that's something that yeah. you've done all you know, and so. Um, the vet who was talking to me about it was saying, you know, like you could drink and drive and not get in an accident, but right. <laughs> it's just best avoided. Um, so I yeah. think the next big hot topic that people ask me about is CBD oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that regarding both the toxicity, because of course um, I live in a college town, dogs sadly are <laughs> getting into <laughs> marijuana from time to time. Um, And then, of course, it being legalized in some states, I know um, I'm I'm hearing from a lot of families in those states like, hey, there can be significant issues. So I wonder if you would speak a little bit to that and how it could relate to CBD, if at all, um, and what signs people need to look for if they're, say, their college student comes home (laughs) for the long break (laughs) and and suddenly their dog or cat's acting a little off. Yeah, because the sun yeah. made brownies, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So then you've got a double whammy. You've got the chocolate toxicity and the wheat toxicity. So um, we definitely see that, and that is a common scenario. Um, and I, what I would say first and foremost is be honest with your vet. So let us know what's going on so that we can best treat your animal. We're not the cops. We don't typically narc. We just want to treat the animal um, uh, accordingly. So first of all, uh, that's about, you know, often getting the owner to be honest. And then um, typical signs with weed toxicity, which definitely happens, are are actually pretty, pretty typical. So they will definitely look stoned. They may be a little bit wobbly. Their eyes can be dilated. They usually have a slow heart rate. They usually will urinate inappropriately. So, for example, mm-hmm. you just, like, look at them and they urinate. I mean, they just, like, will they'll just stand there sort of frozen um, and urinate and um, and then just look really high like us. But with true toxicity, I mean, they really can, again, have uh, seizures, seizures, tremors, 
coma and death. And so it's definitely wow. not something again, that we, that we want to mess with. Um, but, you know, I'd say more often than not, they just get really high and we usually wind up supporting them with some fluids overnight and monitoring them and making sure that they don't get a lot worse. So, um, so I can't, I can't speak for Julie on this, but, um, you, you are assuming that I am much less of a straight arrow than I am. I'm not sure that I would know what a high person really looks like. Um, I'm actually a very nice girl. Thank you very much. And uh, so, yeah, like when you're like, well, they kind of look high. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm not sure that actually helps me all that much. Yeah, um, true. So I would say they, again, their their eyes are dilated. They usually have a very slow heart rate. They may be wobbly when they're walking. Sometimes they have a little head bobble, um, things so like almost that. like vestibular. Um, Only they're grabbing a bag of nachos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do they get the exactly, exactly. Do they get uh, the You know, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't asked <laughs> I, I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I was going to say, well, my dogs always have the munchies, so it would be really hard to tell if they were getting right. the munchies when they were high. Exactly. But I mean, if they, if this a flat funny. coat, so they look high anyway, I hear. <laughs> well, right. well, maybe my, my Zuzu, because she's just not all together here anyway, so um, no. it would be really hard to tell. If, if, if She's very sweet. She's one of the sweetest dogs I've ever owned, but she's not on the Richter scale of intelligence. Let's put it that way. <laughs> she just is on multiple planes at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's, she's, she's. <laughs> she's having yes, an existential is. crisis. <laughs> yeah, like on a daily basis. But uh, no, I, I think, I, I mean, really, like with the, with the, the um, marijuana toxicity, like I, I see it a lot, especially in um, the concern gets discussed with me with like, blended families, right? The new kids are little. This mama has never had college students, but now her stepchildren are coming home and she doesn't, right. you know, the, the, they feel like the risk is pretty high. And if, and if they are like me, kind of a straight arrow, as much as people don't <laughs> think I am, um, they don't know what to look for. And so, a lot of times they'll just ask me and I'm like, I'm going to like, I'm going to have to do a doctor Google search. Like, I don't know. So I'm glad you can write to that. Right. Yeah. And what about the CBD oil? Cause um, I was, right. that's, that's been, um, I, I was at a, a pharmacy looking for, I was I looking for something for Zuzu and the guy's like, Oh, give her CBD oil. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, so I was wondering if you yeah. could talk about that. Cause that's a huge one now in the pet market. Yeah, it is really exploding, just like it is with people. I mean, what I'll say is it's really important to um, to make sure that the company has research, that you ask the right questions. You know, what's hard is it's been illegal for so long um, that uh, we don't have a ton of research on it. And so it's really hard. And so I usually do recommend that people try starting with other things first, depending on the things that are tried and true. Um, and, and then, you know, unfortunately for veterinarians to die prescribing or recommending CBD is not quite legal. It's very murky. And so you're not going to get a lot of veterinarians who are able to speak to it. Um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, there are companies that are better th than others out there, but I do think, again, it's, it's going to require 
some research and uh, the changing of some laws and things like that. So, you know, I always tell people things like this, even with the supplements, you know, nothing is magic. Everything I would do in conjunction with training, you know, I think you guys know that best. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be magic. So that's pretty much that takeaway. So I think if you're cautious of it, you're right to be. Um, and I would, I would typically start recommending other things first, but there are companies out there who are better than others. Okay. So how do we, how do we talk to those families who are like, well, you know, my cousin's brother's sister used CBD with their dog and it was perfect, right? Like, how do we have that conversation when someone really the their anecdotal experience is somebody somewhere on Facebook told them that this <laughs> it can be really awesome. And as yeah. trainers, as partners with the veterinary community and the family, how do we best have that conversation about, you know, yeah, that it seems like it would be a magic answer, but it's a little bit dicier than we'd all like to think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I think that's pretty much it, right? Is just telling them because it's been illegal for so long, you know, we really haven't had a ton of chance to do a ton of research on it. It's really important that there are double-blinded, large-scale studies out there saying that they're safe and that they're effective. And so, you know, I don't think you're going to convince the people who are convinced that it works and that it has saved their dog's life. They're going to do it and it may work for them. You know, I'm not saying that it doesn't. We just don't know that it's going to work for everybody or that it's safe for everybody, especially if those dogs are on any other medications, you have to make sure that it doesn't uh, interact with those medications. Um, and unfortunately, like I said, it's, you, it's hard to get guidance from veterinarians because of the laws, the way that they are. And so I think you just need to really stress that, you know, the, the research uh, really needs to be there in order to feel comfortable, you know, making a recommendation uh, and things like that. So so, yeah, I think just, I think just being honest. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think one of the things is, is people also forget about it. And I'm glad you mentioned the idea of, of whether the dog is on other medications, because if the dog is on other supplements or other medications, there's always the risk of drug interaction when you add something new in. And if there's right. nothing that says, you know, do not use like, for example, um, for a while, Zuzu was on Prozac and uh, she needed a pain reliever. and I told the fat, I fully informed them that she was on Prozac and yet he gave me tramadol, which I found out later right. could have caused, you know, serotonin syndrome. So I think that, you know, and this is a vet who about just probably didn't hear what I said or whatever, or maybe didn't know that tramadol was an issue. Um, well, so, I'll, I will tell you there with serotonin syndrome, it's not so serotonin syndrome has been documented in people. I don't know if it's, I think it's actually never truly been documented in pets, but we do extrapolate. And I do think anecdotally people have seen things like serotonin syndrome. I often will use a lot of those medications together, um, but I do warn people that serotonin right. syndrome is theoretically uh, possible and that this, these, this is what you should look for, which is basically like hyperexcitability, agitation, uh, you know, panting, pacing, things like that. That's what serotonin looks, syndrome looks like. So, um, so I do warn people it's a possibility. Sometimes you, we do need to try like multimodal therapy and usually using them at like appropriate doses aren't mm -hmm. so much an issue, right. but 
so they, they may not have known, they may not have thought about it, or they may have not thought about it. It was, you know, enough of a risk to discuss it with you. I do think always discussing it, obviously, is key. Communication is everything. Um, but yes, serotonin right. syndrome is another thing, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and if the, because the thing that, that boils down to is that we know that these are possible side effects. We don't even know if there's side effects right. with some of the, with That's like right. CBD or if it's mixed with, if your dog is on an anti-anxiety medication or what if your dog is diabetic? How does, you know, and it's getting insulin, right. how does CBD inter, you know, interact with that? So there are, exactly. there are reasons to be cautious about over-the-counter drugs. Just because they're over-the-counter yep. doesn't mean they're necessarily safe for yeah, everyone. Absolutely. I agree. And, I, and I'm not, just, I think that anecdotally, you know, it could have great, uh, it has great promise, but uh, mm-hmm. and I do think, again, there are companies that are uh, doing it right out there, but I just think everybody needs to be aware. And again, there's no magic bullet. And I had one other question. When you mentioned Tylenol and Advil and Aleve, what about aspirin? Is that a toxin for dogs? Yep. Aspirin can be, so aspirin is very toxic for cats, especially, um, but okay. for dogs, it can be. Yeah. Aspirin is a funny one. It's sort of in the same class, not really. Um, but yeah, it, it can, it can be, it, it really, we do use aspirin in certain cases with dogs, uh, usually with dogs with like heart disease for anti-clotting effects, much like we use mm-hmm. it in people at an appropriate dose, it can be safe. And sometimes they do use it for pain in dogs. Again, never cats, always toxic in cats. Um, dogs, it really just depends on the dose. And, you know, it's a small risk no matter what we do. So we use it. It's not my first choice for pain control. So I, always, I often have people who come in and say, oh, I gave him a baby aspirin. But then that prevents us from using other medications that can be more potent for pain control. So I never recommend giving aspirin unless it's absolutely, um, absolutely recommended by your veterinarian. Okay. So when in it, for example, I gave them a baby aspirin, how long do you have to let the dog detox before you can move into other pain medications? Yeah, that's a really good question. So there's, there's, uh, typically what we call a washout period. And Uh again, this is theoretical and it's been documented as being anywhere from, like one day to seven days. I think a lot of people do maybe a three to five or five to seven day washout. Um, but again, sometimes it's really not possible for dogs to go without pain medication who really need pain medication. So I think a lot of times they often get started on it, you know, even sooner. And, you know, I think most of the time it they're fine, but you're taking a chance of adverse effects, which are serious adverse effects. So gastric ulceration, number one, which can be uh, deadly, and then again, liver or kidney toxicity. So, right. And if you have a dog who is on who's in pain, there's obviously right. something wrong with the system. So one, some systems out of whack to begin with. So you're talking about a dog who has compromised right. health, and then you add in, you know, the the, the I, does that raise the likelihood of of drug interactions or problems with other drugs if the dog is already ill to begin with? Um. Yeah, you know, it can. It, it really depends on what the drugs are. So okay. um, with an ill dog, everything is going to be a little bit more dicey. Yeah, especially if it has an overarching illness like Cushing's or diabetes or something like that, which affects every system, then you're yep, talking every about... every cell in the body. Yep. Right. So you're talking about some more complex stuff. So every time you add in either a supplement or another medication 
you're talking about a, a dog that already has an overall compromised system, you're going to have, you can right. have some serious ramifications. So Absolutely. I think yeah. sometimes something that might not be a toxin to a completely healthy dog could very well become a toxin or a real big problem to a dog who has a compromised system in some way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially with the endocrinopathy, something like Cushing's, where they're already right. on steroids. So if you give something like steroids or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, you have to be aware the body's already pumping out a lot of that. So you could right. kind of be overdosing them on their own steroid. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's it's definitely something to think, not something to play with on your own. Absolutely. I just, I, I asked about aspirin because I had a, a patient or a client just the other day saying to me, well, his nose was kind of dry and he's lethargic. So I gave him an aspirin. Which I thought was an, an an interesting response. If my dog's nose is <laughs> is, is warm and lethargic, I, I, that usually means I, I observe for a few Take hours and vet. call the vet. Or that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, observing. You never want it, like I said, because the the biggest pain point there is that then I can't treat them for pain if they really are in pain with the aspirin. And the other uh, the other thing is, well, why are they lethargic? Is it because you know, he has a tumor on his spleen and he's bleeding out, then you don't want to give him aspirin because that's going to prevent him from clotting. So, right. you know, that's it's just very difficult when people treat on their own. And, you know, I know that they want to help. The other thing is that the way a dog's nose feels, uh, being dry or wet or warm, I, I don't know what is a complete myth. So uh, that's, that's another one to get out there. Just having a, a wet nose or a dry nose just means that they have a wet or dry nose. It really fluctuates at the time of day. And everything else. But if they're lethargic, not eating, vomiting, having diarrhea, you know, doing anything out of the ordinary, then it's definitely time to get to the vet. So, wow. Well, that's good to know about the nose. Did you know that, Tina, about the nose? That if it's wet or No, dry? I didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. What, yeah. What, what, mm-hmm. why, why is it that people think they should have cold, wet noses? Is that because most of the time I they have, have a cold, wet nose? No, I- <laughs> I don't know where this wife's tale comes from. And I actually did a post on it on my Instagram. So I do a bunch of posts like this on my Instagram, drlisalipman.com, where I dispel, you know, myths or talk about all the questions that we're discussing today. Um, but I, I, I don't even know that I came across that in my research. I just I kind of said, you know, there's for some reason, there's this old wife's tale that a dog's right. nose must always be wet, but there's really nothing further from the truth. So if you, again, if you are, cause they, they that will fluctuate, you know, pending mm-hmm. the time of day, um, really that's it or what they're smelling. Um, but other, like I said, if that accompanies, you know, or doesn't accompany, you know, lethargy, vomiting, coughing, sneezing, diarrhea, then it's definitely time to get to the vet. So, okay. so are there any other toxins that you can think of that you would really like to get out there that people may not be thinking of or that they need to um, be aware of? Um, and especially, is there one that if the dog ingests and you know it, that this is, you need to get to the vet or to the emergency clinic right away? Are there, are there those that are that lethal? Um, I would say, I mean, xylitol is definitely up there for sure. That one is one that definitely warrants immediate attention. Um, You know, even actually with rat poison, you usually have a day or two um, to get to the vet if you can. With certain types of rat poison. Let's not tell them that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you never never want to do that, right? Usually it takes, yeah. It amazes me how many people, like, will 
will text me or call me and be and be explaining or sending me video of a dog that's pretty obviously in significant distress. I'm like, go right. to the vet. Like, I'm not a vet. Go to the vet. Like, yeah, I don't right. even play and one we, on it's TV. Ridiculous. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, and, I don't we, like stop. Like, but I don't. It's a weird thing. It's just, and I mean, I guess yeah. people do it with people too, but. It's amazing oh, yeah. to me and, how and people are resistant. More than when people, yeah, and we love nothing more than when people wait to the point to where it makes it that much harder to treat. So or impossible. <laughs> kidding, if you couldn't tell the sarcasm right. there, right? Um, I mean, my yeah, I, I had an old dog break with vestibular. I was in my bones, pretty sure that's what it was. It didn't matter. We got in the car and we went to the emergency right. vet, and we made sure that was what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. I always tell people, you know, knowledge is power. So people will often try to debate with me. Well, well, what if it's this? And what if it's that? And what if they say, well, let's just let's do the diagnostics and find out. And then we can decide what what course to take, because knowledge is power. We could sit here and guess all day, but I can do the diagnostics that will tell us. So, you know, let's do it. Um, so it's 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 definitely an interesting one. So, yeah. So I would say xylitol is definitely just to get back to your question. The xylitol is <laughs> definitely, um, and then also, yeah, NSAIDs like Advil, uh, okay. Advil, Aleve. Um, those are going to be really important ones to get in right away for sure. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, and also too, to, to, and I do have, I, I don't know about you, Tina, but I do have the poison the, the pet poison number on my refrigerator and in I my have, phone. I have it in my phone and I have the um, ASPCA has a animal toxin app that's free. That's wow, also super yeah. helpful. And I talk to families about that as well. And I talk to families a ton about when you're traveling, you need to know where the emergency vet is, where you're going to be staying. You need to have called them and confirm that, the address and the instructions on, you know, Google are correct or your GPS. And then also um, to, to be aware of what different flora and fauna are in that environment that are potentially dangerous to your dog that you're just not familiar with. Um, Cause sadly, like I hear a lot from people who, you know, our, our dog went to the ocean and licked something and, had a big, huge response and, you know, lost a dog or had, had a big medical emergency with their animal. And they just didn't know um, because it's an right. unfamiliar environment to them. Yeah. I would say mushrooms are a big one there for sure. So there are mushrooms that the, you eat them and that's it. It's over. I mean, there's almost nothing that can be done. It's right. absolutely heartbreaking. So yeah. Gotta that be is. So careful. Yeah. I had a jitsu once who used to lick toads he would go he knew a time the toads came out and i'm serious he would go out into the driveway and he he just he'd be begging to go out begging to go and he would catch toads and like lick them and i'm like if i remember correctly back in the 60s people used to lick toads to you know the toxins in the skin to get high and i'm like my dog is addicted to toads that's funny (laughs) he never seemed to have any ill effects from it but that's good. I mean, it might not have been the time. They're probably, probably not the time. I think those are, are far and few between, although they exist. But um, right, yeah, it's not I'd like say, a Costa Rican I, tree frog, dart frog. You know, right, with, exactly. With toxin exactly. levels. Yeah, yeah your, your average <laughs> um, southern toad. So, but I'll say with ASPCA poison control, I, I always have the number in my phone. It's eight 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 
426-4435. And I'll tell you probably my their best kept secret. If your pet is microchipped and registered with Home Again, and you have mm-hmm. their number, so I always tell people register. I think it costs about $20 a year, and you need to be registered for your microchip to work. Then right. keep that number, keep that microchip number with your ASPCA poison control phone number in your phone because if you call and tell them that you're registered with Home Again and you can give them your microchip number, then it's free to call. And so you can just call whenever you want. Otherwise, they it's a $65 charge because they're a nonprofit organization. So it's a good thing to do. Go ahead and, and you know, get your dog microchips and register them with Home Again. And then you can call Poison Control all you want for free and talk with board-certified veterinary toxicologists 24-7. So That's great advice. I did not know that. Yep. My, my dog, I did a blog on registering your dog because Zuzu is also a felon. She um, regularly, for a while, was getting out. She turned herself in at the police department here in Granville. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So she had a I, bunch I, of weed with her. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, well, maybe maybe weeds are my yard. Um, or no, she doesn't <laughs> eat the weeds. She eats the ornamental grasses. So my landscape architect said, "Can Funny. I put in some grasses?" And I said, "No, no, because they will. My dogs will eat the ornamental grasses. They won't eat the weeds. They won't eat the regular grass. No, the ornamental grasses we will eat." So I guess I was going to say too. Um, are there plants? That's another just real quick one. Um, you said mushrooms, which is great to know. Are there other more common plants that that people need to be aware of that they should not be planting where their dogs can get at them? Um, Yeah, you know, and I think it really depends on where you live. Uh, The first one that comes to mind is, um, yeah, it's the the sago palm, the sago sago palm palm trees. um, They're, again, depending on where you live and they can be um, really damaging. They can cause severe liver damage and potentially death when they're ingested. Um, So that's, definitely like the most uh, toxic Uh, for cats, lilies. Lilies are highly toxic for cats, can also cause kidney failure. Um, Actually, even I wouldn't even have lilies in your house if you have cats and not dogs, but cats. Um, Talking like peace lilies? Yeah, uh, any kind of lily, be any kind of lilies. Because what happens is the the palms, the the um, the pollen can can go everywhere just kind of blows mm-hmm. everywhere and your cat can walk through it and then lick their paws and then get affected so wow or affected I should say mm-hmm. so it's it's really that I wouldn't even even if people say oh my my cat doesn't touch that plant lilies are absolutely I wouldn't even bring them in the house that is really we've had a lot of great information about things I'm never going to do um <laughs> and this is an advantage of having a black thumb. My peace lily is never happy enough to bloom. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, you and you can. I would check the ASPC, but I'm pretty sure even a peace lily, any kind of lily that has a okay. pollen in there, um, I will. I'll check that. You don't want to mess with, but it should be on that that app too. Mm-hmm. Super. Thank you. Well, Dr. Lemon, this has been great. I really, I think both Tina and I have found we've learned a lot today and we hope that this will be great Great. information for, for our families. And I just want to remind people that if you need more of Dr. Lippman, you need to check out, (laughs) we don't deserve dogs with her and her boyfriend. So um, I've listened to a couple and they're fun and entertaining and uh, I'm sure that you will enjoy them as well. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we will see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. 
Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.